0: Good afternoon and welcome to the 2081st edition of Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis and the late Patty Fink, who just squeaked in. Hey, hey. Um, now, that's doing my math. It's probably actually the 2082nd edition of Lambda Weekly because remember when we moved to uh, mornings for that miserable year?
1: We did two shows we that week.
0: We two, did two shows that week, so I yeah, guess this is the yeah. 2082nd edition of Lambda Weekly. Today is our 40th anniversary. It's also the 40th anniversary of the station. We went on the air the day the station went on the air, um, and, and big celebration here. Yep, um,
1: 40 years, This a lot happens when you're 40.
0: You know, I, mean. I don't remember. Uh, our guests are <laughs> Viv and Louise, and they're going to try to remember when they were 40 also today. Uh, Vivian Armstrong and Louise Young are longtime activists in the community. They met in college, they've been together for 52 years. They were the first same sex couple in Dallas to get a civil union in Vermont when that was all that was available. Uh, they've been married. Oh, multiple times since then, but always to each other. <laughs> um, I, I could go on. Uh, Louise was a founder of the LGBT Employee Resource Group at Texas Instruments and later at uh, Raytheon. She's one of the, the, together they were founders of Dallas Gay and Lesbian Alliance. Welcome back.
2: Thank you very much. We're so glad to be here. Yeah, thanks, David. You know,
3: thanks for the brief history. We've only been married twice in one civil union.
4: So oh. where, where were the? Uh, I, I remember the Vermont thing big time. Yeah,
3: that was the civil union. Yeah. And when California had 08, we were uh-huh. going out there, to visit my family, and my family said, basically, you know, you need to get married while we're here. I mean, I have nieces and nephews, you know, we've got to make our relationship legal. <laughs> and so we did, and of course, by November, then that was voted away. Yeah. And so we we're out in the woods again. But so it, you have one of those window. Yeah, we were a window. We, we were then, in the window. And then the next window was in 2015, when Oklahoma was in the judicial district that um, allowed marriage and changed it and that was right before Louise's fiftieth high school reunion. so. We got married in her hometown with all her classmates. Oh, how cool. Stuff. Her parents had deceased, but you know, that's the next closest thing, isn't it? The people you have gone through school with. And so right. we got married in Oklahoma. So right. we never did get a Texas one cuz by then, you know, we'd had enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> I think we got the point by then. You're
2: married. It was it was fun. The Oklahoma marriage was fun. We got married during the Saturday night barbecue.
4: <laughs> and who would have thunk that you could get married in Oklahoma before Texas?
2: Hey, listen,
3: do you know that some of her class leaders actually fought, were fighting to find out who was, to determine who was going to sign the certificate? Aww. Because it only had one couple. And the judge who did the service was also her in her class, and he arranged with the county office to put in two sets of signatures so they both could. Oh. <laughs> See, extra special. <laughs> so we, we may oh. be some of the only ones who have two sets of um, oh. witnesses. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That is All fantastic. It was. It was That's so fantastic.
0: Oh. You know, it's funny that you describe your wedding that way um, and mine was the same sort of big, over the top, ridiculous wedding. 800 um, people. Yes. Uh-huh. 950, thank you. 950 people. <laughs> On stage. On stage. Yes, that includes the Turtle Creek Corral. Um, Aaron and I only came in at 450. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Because at the time, the whole thing with legalizing was, ooh, what are people going to think? And if you had that kind of reaction from your class in Oklahoma, what people are going to think is two people who've been together for 50 years deserve to be married.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we've been going to all the other high school reunions.
2: That's right. And these
3: were her her besties.
2: Sure. Yes, they were. Uh, many of them uh, I'd started first grade with. Uh, the town I grew up in, Ada, Oklahoma, uh, had six grade schools, and so not Everyone who was in my high school class went to my grade school, but some of them did. So, again, with some of them, I'd known them since I was six years old.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really special. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was. For anybody to be able to say, I still know someone I knew when I was six six years years old. old. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's amazing.
3: They're having another reunion on the 19th of August. We'll be there. Awesome. Awesome. We will. (laughs)
1: That's And that's so exciting. I think it's it's really special when friends are, are there to support you because it really is a lot of marriage ceremonies about bonding with your community and, and relying upon your community and your friends to help support your marriage um, as part of your vows. And so I think that's really cool. And you probably outlasted almost everybody in your class in terms of marriages.
2: Actually, we actually we didn't so many uh, in fact I would be hard-pressed to think of any of my classmates who were divorced really really yes and some of them married someone from the class of 65 which was my class so they had known each other in high school but not necessarily dated in high school but then later, things happened. Yeah, <laughs> fell in love and got married and still together. It it was, it was so special, so terrifically special.
4: So uh, when I was you know walking these ladies in uh, to, uh, right before the show, you know, we were talking about their their anniversary and Louise said that she um, asked Viv out. You know, all this, was some 52 years ago, and she said she thought she was cute. And Viv said, Yes, I thought it was such a cutest story. But, you know, going back, God, things were so different. Can you talk about that? Did, how did you feel comfortable even asking another woman out? Well, that's
2: your. Question. Well, right. Uh, well, it was different. I'd never done that before. <laughs> uh, but I was a. Uh, I was a graduate student at the University of Colorado at Boulder and Vivian was on stage at a panel discussion on lesbians as part of uh, a festival on campus called the World Affairs Week and so uh, Vivian and several of her lesbian colleagues uh, again, Vivian wasn't a student, she was a nurse, but was a close friend of several of the students. And she was asked to be on the panel. Well, the panel was populated by men, and I'll let Viv tell the story. All
3: men. <laughs> all white now, can men, you I'm imagine sure. Wait.
2: having a topic on lesbianism. I was about to say,
3: so you're talking about <laughs> and lesbians and they were men. all men. Mm. One um, person was, um, I always get this mixed up of the Simon and Gagnon, you know, um, uh, researchers.
2: His, his name Bill Simon.
3: And, and you know, and he actually, you know, worked with the Kinsey Institute, so he knew something about human sexuality. Mm-hmm. There was also a Hollywood producer, and I'll just let your imagination go to where, back in 1971, what kind of movies he may have produced. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. We
0: got
3: it.
1: Lesbians lesbians were vampires. Whatever, you know. At best.
3: You you know, Lauron,
0: next week maybe you and I should do a show on lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) Don't come, Patty. Just me and David. Okay,
4: okay. And and so
3: the reason that I was on the stage was because I had been – getting associated with the students because I had links to um, Del Martin and Phyllis Lyon in San Francisco and via the ladder and that type of thing and um, had a post office box for the daughters of Bellitis Denver Colorado and uh, <laughs> so I had linked up with the students as they had corresponded and was working with them up in Boulder and so the students were very upset about this and so somehow or other as I went up there for this program as an attendee, they wanted to go to the administration and protest that there were no women on the panel, da da da. And they threatened the administration with civil disobedience and there would be no presentation if they didn't put some women on there. And somehow or other, I got pushed to the front and got to be one of the people who was on the panel. Awesome. <laughs> and this was back in 1971. Right. And I mean, you know, my knowledge was limited to very little personal experience and <laughs> uh, a lot of reading. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wow, you must have had books that weren't banned then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, got, I had the latter, and I'd had you know, people tell me, read this, read that, so yeah. But um, it, was, it was really interesting. There was so much interest. World Affairs Conference is really a neat thing that they do at the university. They do a lot of different topics. But they actually ended up uh, having uh, this particular one was set in the auditorium where the other presentations had been. There was so much demand for it that we had to walk across campus to another auditorium to hold it because the facility was not big enough. What a great
0: problem to I have, have yeah, yeah really yeah wow and what did you decide Lesbians, yes or no uh,
3: yeah it it was it was actually a very positive program the whole way around, and you know Louise was actually a little shy in the beginning because you know you're standing up afterwards talking to people who come up you know, want to talk to you and that and I noticed her over there and uh, but she never came over to say anything to me at the time so that later when we were together I said oh this is what you wore that day <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah so she
3: noticed me oh yeah. but then we met, we met at another group you know activity you know like the following right. week yeah that's awesome yeah Go she's ahead. she's brave but shy but she
1: saw you both had your eye for each other already oh yeah
2: oh yeah, yeah no. oh, oh yeah
0: so you were both out at the time but not real out
2: well I mean
3: being out was kind of like what is being out I mean if you go to the bars and you know what else was there to be out in well I mean, to was
2: my people thing. you work with well, I mean no,
4: did your families know no. at the time
2: so, did they know then? When did they
3: get to know? Them?
2: I don't know. My my family, uh, again from Oklahoma, didn't know till I don't know a few months later. They met Vivian and I told them about us, and they had very positive reaction. Awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's really
4: yeah. fantastic. Oh my yeah.
3: parents were great. That's you know, my, wonderful. My family was kind of like you know not so good when they were you know getting to know. My sisters have always been great. No problem there. But, you know, my mother, my grandmother, my uncle's even gay. He just kind of stayed out of the whole thing (laughs) 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 and that, because he was, you know, fairly quasi himself, but that was a different generation. Yeah, and he also
0: wasn't a lesbian.
3: That's true, true. but he had a lesbian friend, and in retrospect, I can remember that he took me, she was a decorator in San Francisco, and I remember going over there to visit, and he had to pick something up and everything, and now I think. He actually was trying to probably ask her, do you think she was, is? (laughs) You know, these things kind of click later on in my
1: head, you know? Well, I remember another coming out story in Oklahoma when um, Melissa Etheridge was dating Julie Seifer, who was from Oklahoma, and she took Melissa home for the first time to her parents in Oklahoma, and they were like, a rock musician <laughs> they were bothered by the lesbian part because it was right. the, the right, rock right.
3: musician well, we first drove up you know to louise's you know family home and you know got out of the car and started to go towards the, the steps and everything and her dad and mom were standing out there and her dad goes Heidi you know what that <laughs> wasn't in my vocabulary at the time but Heidi you know, Heidi and yeah. uh, you know nice little friendly Oklahoma way of saying hello mm. but um, you know her parents were the best people I mean her mother took me in just like I was another daughter and um, you know took me shopping for school clothes I mean it was when I was going to go back to college and everything I mean just you know all those mom things I mean she just stepped right in that's that's, yeah. that's amazing and wonderful. It really it is. is. You know, it was great. in the early 70s, that was amazing. Amazing, that's
4: actually still amazing even today. Yeah. Because everybody doesn't have it like that. Well,
2: yeah. I, I was always very close to my parents. I'm, uh, I was an only child, and so I was close to my parents my whole life. And I was, I guess what you could say, a really good daughter, uh, obedient, Uh, and a hard, hard uh, worker in terms of school, got great grades, had aspirations to go to college, and so I think they, well, they were just very proud of me. No rebellion (laughs) from me. to I guess you could say that point when I brought a a woman home.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we're similar, I'm an only child also, Uh Um, very close to my family. Um, Are you the most conservative person in your family too?
2: Um, Most conservative? (laughs) <laughs> most conservative, that's really hard to say, uh, my parents were Democrats, uh, so maybe I was, maybe I was. Because
0: I always contend I'm the most conservative person in my family. Because they're so way over there your family
1: is pretty way over there. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, her yeah. aunt was a Republican, was pretty, you know, a maiden school teacher and stuff and she was pretty conservative, but she she oh, she just thought I was great. Well, you know. You yeah. know, that worked out. Well, who really wouldn't? Well. <laughs> <laughs> who? Well, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Oh, well, thank yeah. you, Patty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but I I think that, you know, during that era, the early 70s, I mean, there just wasn't a whole lot, you know, Talk going on or or whatever, especially like in a small college, you know, town. You know,
2: See, towns. I
0: think coming out in the seventies, and I came out in nineteen seventy-three. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think coming out in the seventies was easier than it became in the eighties with the rise of the Christian right.
2: Mm-hmm. I think you're I think you're <clears throat> correct in that, David. I, I think you're absolutely correct.
0: There wasn't much organizing. There wasn't much. Um, I think I push already, for civil rights. But there also wasn't the same, on the same token, there wasn't all that anti-stuff going on.
3: Yeah. Well, and her parents, like her dad in in World War II, you know, um, ended up, you know, he ended up being a lieutenant colonel. And, you know, when the military was desegregated, you know, he was in charge of a base at the end of the war outside of London. And, you know, he he had officers, you know, uh, not officers, but uh, uh, enlisted, enlisted men. Enlisted men come and say that they did not want to, you know, share barracks with, you know, uh, the you know, blacks black soldiers. And, and he said, "You'll sleep where I tell you to sleep." And when he was on the school board uh, there in town when school desegregation happened, you know, there was nothing, no ripple or anything. It just went into effect right away. And then, you know, and we're talking about Oklahoma South, you know, mm-hmm. those are the kind of people her parents were. <coughs> And, you know, they were leaders in their community, and they just, you know, they just did things the right way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We need to take a break. We're talking to Vivian Armstrong and Louise Young on our 40th anniversary of both Lambda Weekly and KNON. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this.
1: Hi, this is Patty Fink, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM.
0: And we are celebrating our 40th anniversary or our 2082nd show with Vivian Armstrong and Louise Young. You know, in lieu of our 40th
4: anniversary, I wonder if you all could go back um, and think 40 years ago, what was it like for in uh, media? Um, you guys, because of your activism, you've been in the media many times. What was it like 40 years ago as far as LGBT coverage in the media, whether so, in the newspaper, on TV? Obviously, you didn't even have the Internet and stuff mm-hmm. like that now. Um, but how, how, how drastically different was it back then?
1: So it would be July 30th, 1983. July nineteen eighty three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you remember?
3: Do you remember? I remember one of the first things that we ever did was maybe a little earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan, um, Caudill had a show on K- on uh, KERA. It was kind of a community thing, and um,
2: we ended up in a group thing with um, oh God, what was the um, city councilwoman, the late Juanita Kraft. Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. And, um, but the Republican uh, Richardson
3: uh, Congressperson or state rep, state rep that was very anti was there. I mean, it was a very mixed kind of a thing, and uh, I think uh, was it? and I think there were a couple of other guys that went with us, and it was videoed and everything. It must be an archive somewhere. Yeah, know, sure. Catholic I
0: remember stuff. when I was in college, and this is in Albany, New York, which is an extremely liberal city. Mm-hmm. Um, When I was in college, I was on one of the talk shows, but it was on after midnight. And it was call in, and I mean, the questions were things like uh, what do your parents think of you being gay? And my answer was, what do they think of me? What do I think of them? They're the ones who are nuts. (laughs) You know, it, it, they were things that I had never thought about before, but it was just beginning to be talked about. Yeah, yeah You know, in 1983, I, I was, I think I was in sixth grade. Yeah, shut up,
4: Lorraine. And so. <laughs> oh,
1: um, <that> was college. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey, somebody here is actually younger than I am. <laughs> um, but you know, I, in terms of in media, what I remember, I don't remember there being any gay characters or anything on TV. Uh, really wasn't only if I did listen to the radio it was music. I definitely wasn't listening to talk radio back then. But the only thing I remember, as far as any gay coverage, had to do with HIV and AIDS. Actually, yeah. it, it wasn't even HIV then. Yeah. It was just it was flat out right. AIDS. Out. Um, and that was that was scary. That's the only th- the only thing I remember as far as uh, LGBT coverage back then.
3: Well, you know, and it's, yeah, as HIV started to really kind of come along, mm-hmm. the negativity started to exactly. come along with it, yeah. and that, that made everything much more difficult.
0: I remember, and this was the 90s, um, newspapers were deciding whether or not to use the word gay or continue to use homosexual. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we found one newspaper headline about, you know, the Enola Gay was the airplane that yes. dropped the bomb mm-hmm. on Hiroshima,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and the headline said, An Ola homosexual. (laughs) Because it was their paper's policy not to use the word gay.
1: That's really ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I mean, like, that's over the top stupid. (laughs) What was their policy? You know, I mean, there are women who are named gay. Are you going to change their name when you report on a story? That's, True, that's yeah. just stupid journalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. Taking it too far. <laughs> yeah.
3: Gosh.
1: Yeah. And we've come full circle now. How and it's, we gone, not? it's gone, it's you know, gone, it's taken it too far now.
3: I mean, there've, there've always been people who've been negative, but there was an era in there where we started finding support and more support. And, you know, when you end up with, you know, um, the mayor and, and, you know, most of the city council supporting you as time went on. I mean, that was really great. And I'm, and we still have that at, at our local level, but the state we live in is another whole thing. Yeah. Don't you yeah. think there's kind of a, I mean, we, we
1: we know the latest Gallup polls show that there's a huge difference in coming out to a pollster over, over a lifetime. Um, older folks over 65 are out at about 3.7%. Um, but if you go down to the Gen Zers now, they are twenty point one percent. That's one in five mm-hmm. identify as LGBTQ. Twenty point one. That's a lot of that's a lot. That's a lot of people. And, and it's above from where we always did, you know, like the ten percent. I think Viv yeah. and
0: Louise and I are a hundred percent out, not just three percent out. Well, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I I think we've always been there. Oh yeah. Yes. And in large numbers. But we didn't have those kind of um, coming out data points that we could point to. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, a lot of people today are saying, "Well, it's a fad to be to be gay or trans," or that it's a fad. And I just don't think that's true. I I think people are are thoughtful and understand themselves well enough in their own lives about themselves. To say mm-hmm. I'm gay or I'm not gay or I'm
3: trans or I'm not trans or yeah. and and know what they're talking about. Well and then maybe you know, my whole thing is is there probably are more people who there's probably more fluidity to human sexuality than anyone has really started to claim. Yeah. I mean you know, I mean I think the thing is is that, you know, you, you hear stories about people that they fall in love with this one person but they never were really attracted to any other individuals and so does that make them gay or lesbian or or you know bi or what i mean it's a label mm-hmm. but the thing is, is life is not like that
4: you know, pe- pe- you know going to what you're saying patty i don't think it's a fad but i do think with the younger generation it's just they ha- have the freedom to figure it out mm-hmm. you know um whereas we did not you know you're either this or that and i saw this video not too long ago they were interviewing and it was a bunch of high school kids, and uh, like more than half of them said they just didn't know. They're like, I don't know. And like the w- one young lady they interviewed said she had, she thinks she had a crush on a girl, but she wasn't for sure if it was a crush or if she just really liked her. If it was a best friend, so it's like you know they're they just open to figuring it out now. Yeah. So and I think it, that might have to,
3: and it doesn't carry a negative to to, to right, explaining exactly. it if you want it exactly if you feel
4: that
0: way. And right. that's okay. That's that okay. Not to it know. is. Yeah. Um, we um, have always what's what's made coming out easier is having role models, mm-hmm. and I know I had mine when I was in college, and and even in high school. Who were your role models?
3: Mine were Dale Martin and Phyllis Lyon, and I had, you know, we both had the privilege of of meeting up with them, but. Particularly when I was coming out in Colorado, um and went back to San Francisco for a visit with my family, I had the opportunity to go to um their apartment there and um have a short visit with Phyllis Lyon. And all I can tell you is their apartment was full of books. <laughs> <laughs> books, books, books everywhere. And, you know, the fact that she would give me five minutes was, you know, you know, little old me was just, you know, phenomenal. But uh, they were they were
2: my my heroines, yeah, and mine as well, and dill Martin and Phyllis Lyon were just early lesbian, i guess you could say lesbian activists, but I mean there weren't too many activists back then, but they they were out they eventually, I think in the seventies wrote a book yeah, called yeah. lesbian Woman and this was just remarkable for its time and but they did that is dell and phyllis did give a generation of women some amazing role models in themselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's fantastic especially in a time when there were not mm-hmm. not many right. and the right. ones we did see um I mean, they were in movies. Lesbians were always portrayed as super evil, mm-hmm. mm. um, or vampires, <laughs> or
0: vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear: you're not,
1: not a vampire.
0: Oh no,
1: no. okay, no, no, no. no. Nor is
0: Aaron. No.
1: Nor is Aaron. Okay. No, and we didn't even like you know consider the consider it like when I was coming up and trying to self-identify, who am I as a real person? You know, those tough years as teens. Never once thought oh, I'm a vampire. <laughs> it it just wasn't in the mix, so, yeah. you know. I
2: don't right. even like my steak, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> rare.
3: At least really positive. like steak, you know. So.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so who are your role models, Patty and Lorena?
1: Um, I remember um, Martina Navratilova was a big one for me. I I thought she was so incredibly talented. Loved watching her play tennis, um, and just from her her you know her role as a as an athlete in in the world of sports. Um, but she was a, a personal role model as well, and um, I was thrilled when I got to see her when I first moved to Dallas. Mm-hmm. They were she and Chris Evert Lloyd were doing a um, an exhibition yes uh, match at reunion and I yep. got tickets and went and it was uh, just a thrill I mean they were just playing each other because they're their friends and if you've ever yes. seen documentaries about their friendship it's what a what a soaring um, closeness they have over time right
2: and Chris who is heterosexual
1: right right so Martina was a big one um, I always thought Jodie Foster was family, and I've always related to her because we're exactly the same age. Mm-hmm. So when she was in something, I'm like, "Ooh, you know, I, I think she's gay, and I'm, I'm gay, mm-hmm. and you know." Yeah. So watching her, you know, movies and performances and and uh, talk show appearances and that kind of thing, um, and then you know, we all had had our crushes, you know. And you know, yes, I did watch Cagney and Lacey rather faithfully. <laughs> um, but I didn't read a lot of lesbian literature. I mean, I wasn't that the, that wasn't where I went for for information until
0: I was probably in college or beyond. And then you and I were Lauren's role models. <laughs> when he was in elementary school. Parents. No, you know who mine were? I had teachers.
3: Oh, really?
0: Our drama teacher in high school, he used to look out for all the gay kids, oh. just very quietly, but he did. Mm-hmm. We were not bullied. Good. Uh, and in college, I um, had several professors who who were gay, and in fact, one of the professors hmm. bought an old brownstone in downtown Albany, which became the first gay and lesbian community center in the country. Oh wow! Yeah. So, yeah, th- cool. those were who my role models were. Um, how did you get involved in activism?
3: Well, like I said, I got dragged into being on the stage for that first one. But um, I don't know. I just have always had a kind of strong sense of fairness and. Um, and in that, and I, I just was kind of drawn. I think to the fact that there was discrimination, and um, I would just wanted to be a part of working on that. To just say, hey, you know, we're real people too. And so I think that uh, my interest kind of went that way in terms of meeting people. Um, like I said, when I was in Colorado, you know, I just ended up, you know, I, I worked in a hospital and you know did my job, all different shifts, and uh, you know. All of that, but when I, and so I think that uh, my interest kind of went that way in terms of meeting people. Um, Like I said, when I was in Colorado, you know, I just ended up, you know, I I worked in a hospital and, you know, did my job all different shifts and, uh, you know, all of that, but when I got away from work, um, you know, I ended up. Meeting, you know, a variety of people, and you know, I just I like people anyway, so it didn't take me long to end up, you know, finding a whole variety of people and um, getting with it. But the students were really, you know, you know how students are at college, so I mean that's an, an easy group to work with. And so even though I wasn't in college at the time, doing that, um, and then. When we, moved, when we moved to Ada and Louise was started teaching, you know, that was another whole closet kind of little experience down there in a small town. And yeah. And as a consequence of that, you know, basically after Louise left, she got a Dear Louise letter saying that she um, would not be invited back to teach again after she got her doctorate. And, That's uh, right. And based
2: on. And we found out it was because a student um, at the college um, saw us dancing together in a gay bar in Oklahoma City and couldn't wait to go tell the dean of students that wha- that she had seen us dancing. And what
0: about the student?
2: We there. always wondered. We always well, I, wondered. We that.
3: Of, well, and I kind of know who it was because she had this cute little um, ragtop, little red. Um, volkswagen and we saw it in the parking lot that night well Man. she
2: wore combat boots <laughs> as Dying. i did <laughs> a giveaway right there she did she did she so, did wear combat you know, but boots. you know it
3: it turned out oh my
2: god you know you, you
3: talk about when you make you know some cap lemons in your life you know to make lemonade well you know vengeance and all of that mm-hmm. other stuff Lo and behold, many years later, back about what, 10, 12 years ago, uh, the development person from the college came uh, courting us, wanting us to uh, become donors as alumni and whatnot. And we sat down there at the table and told, Louise told her story and, uh, you know, about her dear letter that there wasn't any room for her, even though her colleagues were doubled up on classes and stuff. And uh, how that had happened, and she said, isn't it time to bury the hatchet? You know, and you sit there and it's been a long, long time. And Louise ended up saying, okay, yeah, we can do that. And she ended up establishing the Louise Young Diversity Lecture Series at the college, so that each year there was a, a, lecture, a noted person who came from a diverse background, and did a uh, did a whole you know talk there at the college and and other little you know reception and all that kind of stuff it was open to the total community as well as the University and so well, when she had when she had Max Globin who is a Holocaust survivor you know, from very, Dallas and Texan of the Year here in Dallas who passed away about what a year and a half something like
0: something that. something like yeah.
3: that here Max came up there was They filled every nook and cranny they could there and still turned buses away. And he talked about the holocaust there, and actually he gave information for them to be able to do a holocaust um, program um, for teachers the following summer. Wow. And and so Mm -hmm. bringing what
2: else who else oh a tuskegee airman oh and awesome. no not uh, just
3: a tuskegee airman she had the one that became the brigadier general that trump finally ended up giving the high rank to that sat in his um inaugural thing oh
2: wow yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. i remember,
3: that, I remember that. That. yeah but he died yeah. at 102. okay yeah. so he, yeah. he lived a long time
2: um, and uh, navajo code talker and then finally the one that i remember who was notable was a woman who climbed mount everest after the age of 60
1: wow and all wow. the
2: other seven. and all the other peaks of the continents the highest point in the continent of that particular seven continents of the world wow so that was well and she was quite a role model for students So the students and the people of the town had an opportunity to hear from uh, notable people. And I particularly wanted, I sought out speakers from the World War II genre because I knew they wouldn't be around for much longer Mm -hmm. and they weren't.
3: But she had a woman come
2: and talk about the Me Too movement, and the
3: football coach made the whole team go there. Awesome! <laughs>
2: yeah. So awesome.
3: Lot, lots of you know really good impact, and so you know it was a way to flip the pancake.
1: What an and what an incredible impact mm-hmm. on that community! Yeah. That's that's lasting. Yeah,
3: take a town of less than twenty thousand, and you know university, you know campus,
1: and it's so good. many so many young people. Having that experience under their belt as they start their yeah. new careers and lives, yeah. I think that's really profound to have to, to touch them in that way mm-hmm. before they they move forward to understand the the world in a better way. Well, because of, of your series,
2: yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that, Patty, because you know mm-hmm. I always kind of grieved the fact that I wasn't able to finished my teaching career there uh, but what what i came to realize was with the speaker series um, was that i educated uh, a generation of people in a different way
0: mm-hmm. So
2: yes. that that was very rewarding
0: you did complete your education career there then
2: i did i did
0: (laughs) and that'll last a lifetime
4: with those those who were uh who learned from you Mm -hmm.
0: we need to take a break you're listening to lambda weekly on 89.3 knon fm i'm dave taffett here in the studio with lauron landis and the late patty fink and our guests are vivian armstrong and louise young we'll be back with more right after this
4: This is Raphael McDonald from Resource Center Dallas. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM.
0: And this is the 2082nd show of Lambda Weekly. It's our 40th anniversary that we're celebrating today, and it's the 40th anniversary of the station. Um, Congrats, KNON. You know, we were just talking about hearing a speaker and the impact that can make on you. Uh, The speaker that I heard when I was in college, Dave Copay, was uh, the first football player. NFL. NFL football player to come out. He came out after he retired from football and he wrote a book and he came to our campus to speak. I got to meet him again, oh, maybe 15 years ago. And I was able to actually tell him what an impact he had on me. Oh that's so, so cool. It's going to make it it me is. tear up. So, yeah. it <laughs> is. Those are the kinds of things that really do make a lifelong impact on students. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You know one of the things I think is so striking about your work, Louise, is that you you worked at TI as many people in in this town do at Texas Instruments and you got you helped get the the LGBT employee group going and then they sold your division And you had to start all over again, but you did.
2: Right. Yeah, I started all over again with Raytheon, which is a defense giant. And in, uh, of course, in a different industry sector. And so that was a challenge because we had worked our way to get a non-discrimination policy to cover LGBT employees Well, actually L and G employees uh, at, TI. at TI, but there was no policy at Raytheon, so it was kind of a step back. But I just saw it as uh, as another challenge, and so it was I, long
3: distance because the headquarters was in the East Coast, up in Boston,
2: right not here, right. So that was a little difficult, but I've made connections with the right people and eventually uh Raytheon did a non discrimination policy and actually um uh, was i think in a way um more progressive in our area than than t i was they They just saw it as a way to uh, be a standout among the defense industry sectors. They wanted to be a standout in all facets of the business and the employees, (laughs) including the LGBT employees. So it's like, well, we have the best gays.
4: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, when you all moved to Vermont, when you got uh, mm-hmm. Civil Union. Yeah. Um, Raytheon supported that move.
3: Oh, they moved us both ways.
4: Yeah, Up so I mean, yeah, that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And Raytheon has consistently, I don't know how long now, has always been ranked as one of the best companies to work for for that's LGBT right. community. Yeah. I mean, they well, score 100 on the HRC index all the time, so your yeah. work was done.
3: But yeah, Just gotta push a little mm-hmm. bit
1: sometimes. And imagine 40 years ago, when you know, if you were homosexual and you were in the def- yeah. in the defense uh, sector at all, whether in the well, military you would or not, have had a history of being there, you wouldn't be there. Exactly, yeah, you wouldn't be there. Exactly. The contrast between forty years ago and today, much to Louise's credit, for having done that hard work and done it twice.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um, you know, what a difference where you could just lose your livelihood and be be but that's because
3: they they said that you know, because you're gay, you know, you would you know, you're subject to um bribery or, or blackmail. Blackmail, right. blackmail, blackmail, and stuff. Yeah. And so,
2: and it's like if
3: you're out, how can they blackmail you? exactly, right, right. <laughs> right.
2: And actually, that's that's the uh argument uh or the retort I had for. Uh, the leaders of the company when they were saying, you know, when they were doing their pushback, I said, well, you know, no one can blackmail me. I'm out. And if you make it safe for other employees to be out, then there's going to be no problem with blackmail. And, you know, that rated a hmm (laughs) from from uh, the leaders, and it's like, hmm, maybe she's got a point. Yeah, yeah. Who
3: is it's real slick with people?
2: Yeah. Well, thank you, Viv.
1: Thank Lots you, Viv. of results. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, don't you find it interesting that people would threaten your name is going to be published? So.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. So. <laughs>
2: yeah. That that it, it is odd, David. It it's like well. Uh, I'm already out. What, what is it about publishing my name? Except you give me a little, you know, well, publicity. Well, okay.
3: There's a, there a history of meanness that has accompanied our community in particular places and times. I mean, people have been, you know, vicious. Yeah. And and you know, destroyed people's lives. And that I mean, but you know, that's that's a fear tactic. You know, you do that to a couple people, and all the rest of us are supposed to run scared. So I want to go
4: back to y'all, again, 52 years, wow. Mm-hmm. That's a role model for a lot of people, including myself. Um, but I wondered, 52 years ago, did you all imagine that we would be where we are now in terms of um, marriage equality or any type of recognition of our relationships? Did you think that it ever happened?
2: No, and uh, Lauren, I think it's no, I mean, I personally didn't imagine it and I, I think I can speak for Viv that Mm -hmm. she didn't. She's nodding, right? She didn't. But it's not that I personally didn't imagine it. I don't think any of my uh, colleagues in the uh, LGBT community could imagine it. It's just it. It just wasn't something that we could even conceive of.
0: It wasn't on the radar.
2: That's a great way to put it. It was not on the radar.
1: I mean, we were really focused on things like workplace equality so people wouldn't lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was yeah. the big push to get non-discrimination right. statements and employment policies that were meaningful mm-hmm. so that it really meant something. And boom, here's marriage, marriage equality out of nowhere kind of in the middle of that, so that sort of tack that we
0: were we were moving towards. It was a case deployment. in Hawaii in the mid-90s, um, yeah. Evan Wolfson was the uh, attorney on that case. Yes. And he came on Lambda Weekly when we were down in the crack house on San Jacinto. Um, remember. But he, he was a guest of ours and talking about it. And when he was talking about it, and this was mid to late 90s, I I was fascinated because it was not something I had thought about before. That's so interesting, (laughs) I guess it's
4: generational. That's all we talked about when we were teenagers. They're like, oh, we're gonna go find us
0: some husbands. Here he goes again.
3: (laughs) I'm serious. Here he
0: goes again emphasizing that he's a different generation <laughs> um but you
4: know that you know you're talking about the 70s they're the first ever l the first ever gay couple was married in 1977 i think it was a male couple in colorado yeah yeah well,
3: what about the guy who tried to marry his horse before that
4: oh well not that yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. so yeah. it, so it,
0: it, it has it had happened um long yeah, before was it became a, a thing it was a County Clerk in Colorado who said the Colorado Constitution just doesn't ban this, so she issued the license. Yeah, she did. And
2: and by the way, I think it. I think it was seventy four because I was working on my doctorate, and then I didn't get it until seventy five, and it was I think the summer of seventy four, and a couple of couples did take advantage of the marriage and and then came the man with the horse and th- oh please that's yeah that just kind that of ruined it. it wanted to marry his horse which you know boy your imagination can really go with that one and uh but uh that that kind of now, spoiled have been a unicorn it. maybe <laughs> maybe yeah oh wow, wow. but that kind of spoiled it and uh, it became a laughing stock, and so couples started uh, stopped coming to get married. Unfortunately, but we were grateful for
3: Governor Dean in in Vermont mm-hmm. for supporting the original um, civil mm-hmm. union, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Uh, was the first legal, which was the first legal you know avenue that you could have for. Yep having a legal relationship and so you know after all those years because gosh we've been together for what 30 some at that point right i mean we were you know anxious to have whatever legal we could and you know of course we went up to vermont and had it but then coming back to texas you don't have it and so that kind of weighed on us a little bit and the adventurous people we are louise got a transfer with raytheon and we ended up living in vermont and she worked in massachusetts and we did that for two years that was a tough two years that's why we ended up coming back yeah so,
1: early on, you, you just mentioned that you were 30 years together before you even got the first recognition, official mm-hmm. uh, legal recognition of your relationship. Right. And I've always been sort of a, a proponent of the, the fact that our relationships have been um, extra difficult because we don't have those protections and that kind of just straight, uh, straight, that, that very obvious support from community yes um and and just the general public when they know that you're married and you know you're together there's there's a support there and there's an affirmation and there's an encouragement Mm -hmm. and i i propose and submit that that our relationships before marriage equality were possibly better quality relationships that many than many straight couples have because of the communication required Uh, and there are so many obstacles to 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 overcome in order to be successful in a relationship and so many oftentimes devastating barriers Mm -hmm. that could kill a relationship pretty easily you know like someone's sick in the hospital you can't get in to see your partner um you know that could that could be a real stress on a relationship and and there are a lot of things that would would probably say oh You know, it it will crumble. There's no chance. You have no chance.
3: Well, are the difficulties when Louise's parents were in declining health and her, you know, her mother needed guardianship and her dad wanted us to be, you know, and particularly me to be included in that guardianship. um, We had to go to court and I had to sit up there and say, "Well, now, how do you know these people?"
4: (sighs) (laughs) wow! Wow. Are you serious?
3: Yeah, really. You know, and I mean, in Oklahoma back in the 70s, that was, you know. Very difficult to do. Yeah. Thank goodness, you know, we had a good lawyer and supportive, you know, fam, you know, from the family, and so it worked out. But sheesh.
0: Wow. Yeah, what did you say? Huh? What did you even say? Oh, I, I just mean...
3: told him everything that I knew, and I'd been, you know, by that time, what I had known your parents for what ten years almost. Yeah. So.
0: And you, know. you were a nurse.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Raise my right hand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. wow,
1: but
3: what were your secrets what were what were
1: some of the, some of the the things that really held you together and was it good communication was it a a plan did you have a plan did you have what were some of the things that really got you through tough moments?
2: Well, you know I know this may not sound like the the best solution, but it was the difficulty, the actual difficulty of breaking up. (laughs) It's like, okay, you know, I have the couch, you get the love seat, you know, I like that lamp. Well, I like that lamp too. And so there's that physical uh, problem. And what a huge deterrent that
1: is! it yeah. is. In,
2: in other words, it's just easier it's to so stay together. So it's like, oh, well, wow. you so know. So do you look
0: at that lamp now and say, you kept us together?
2: God, <laughs> <laughs> you kept us together.
3: It just kind of tells you where our values are. It's kind of like, it's too much work to separate. Right. That, I think that, that sums and, it up. And not only that, though, but then you find out as you grow older that things will pass. Yes, yeah. and they do. They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, believe and so you me. so all that, they do. all that stuff is kind of a way to make you stop and think. What the hell are you thinking about?
1: Yeah, yeah. So fifty-two years have been ups and downs, but never that break point where you said, "I'm moving out." Oh no, no,
3: no. I'm no, walking not even the, close. I'm walking around the block, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's right. Wow,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, and what a testament to other couples coming up today
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you know just just you know make
0: it work.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. All, all relationships have good periods, bad periods. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: You argue, but the relationship's stronger after an argument sometimes. Yeah,
3: exactly. I mean, you you know you have to take the good with the bad and and know that life is going to throw you a couple of things. Okay, know? so let's hear the bad. Yes, I mean you know we've been through so many you know family things and stuff like that to have to deal with like I said her parents my family and stuff and and that and and like I said the job things and stuff I mean it's you know we've had our we've had tough times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, we have, yeah. Yeah. And, and some of those have you, been pretty public. Yeah,
2: like you yeah, know, yeah, like, they they have, yeah. and what's nice is those are kind of behind us now, and now the tough times are just. You should have gotten into that lane of traffic. <laughs> we wouldn't be late if you'd oh gotten God. into the left lane.
4: That sounds like us. <laughs>
1: oh my God. Me too. Yes. Me too, That's what makes a relationship, right? yes.
2: <laughs>
0: Well, we are just about out of time. I want to thank you for thank spending Thank you all so it. much, it's been a while. So glad to see you both. Oh, what a delight. Thank that.
2: you for asking us. Yes.
0: And I can't think of better guests to have had on our 40th anniversary.
2: (laughs) Thanks,
3: David.
0: For all of us here at Lambda Weekly, have a good week. Candy Markham's our guest next week. Yay, Candy. That's awesome.